get a job. Work hard. And one day you can retire and do the things you want. That's the typical formula for daily life in the modern world. And it works for lots of people. This kind of life is perfect. But it's not for us. And I'm guessing that it's not for you either. I'm David Allen Patali, and I'm Carmen Allen Patali, and together we run the content company Red Platypus. I'm also a published fiction author, and we have two young daughters who keep us on our toes. We've both said no to well-paid jobs in favour of pursuing our creative paths, and we want to walk them with you. Freelancer, digital nomad, artist, creative, self-employed. Whatever you want to call it, if you work for yourself and want to keep it that way, or want to be free from the nine to five and don't know where to start, we want to help. We're going on a journey to speak to committed creatives, people who are all in, who have made highly successful businesses out of their creativity, and ask them how they do it while retaining the magic. Because while we think inspiration is good, we've come to learn that process is vital. Welcome to the Committed Creative Podcast, your toolkit for the creative life you want. Here's to going all in and becoming a committed creative. Hi, David from Red Platypus here. It's a beautiful sunny day and I'm at home working on things I love. Working for myself has opened my eyes to one of the keys to happiness, the ability to control your own day. I still have deadlines and obligations, but I meet them on my own terms. This flexibility and independence are wellsprings of good feeling for me. And they're a crucial part of the working and creative life of my guest today on the Committed Creative Podcast. Zoe Simmons is a writer in Melbourne who runs a very successful copywriting service while also contributing journalism to publications like the New York Post, Mamma Mia and the Sydney Morning Herald. Zoe's also working on a narrative non-fiction book about her experiences during the horrific Black Summer bushfires in 2020, when her hometown of Batemans Bay was nearly destroyed. Zoe juggles all of these things by working for herself on her own terms. And this is more than just a key to happiness for Zoe, it's also vital for her health. My chat with Zoe covers everything from how she loved her regular 9-to-5 job but needed more flexibility and how she's created that for herself by following her skills, passion, and sense of mission to help others. There's also some great tips on how to grow your business through joining a network. Let's meet Zoe now. Now, Zoe, we're interested in talking to people who are all in in their creative journeys. I mean, I think you're the very definition of someone who has just gone, stuff it, I'm I'm all in. I'm going going there. Can you tell us about the decision you made quite recently to, to really go all in in your copywriting business? Sure. So I'd been building my copywriting business on the side for a couple of years um, and freelance journalism as well. And um, in July last year, I decided to finally take the leap and jump into my business full time and just embrace whatever creativity I wanted full time. So that's been awesome. Very fun. Um, Challenging, more challenging than I thought it would be, but really great, much better than any other alternative. <laughs> I was going to ask you, was that a scary decision to make or, or did it kind of make itself like you just had to do it? I was so terrified. I mean, there are a number of reasons why I wanted to give it a go. Um, partially to, you know, follow my creativity, to build my business, um, but also, I guess, for my health as well. Um, 
I live with chronic pain and chronic fatigue, so it was getting worse in the traditional nine-to-five job, and when they wanted me to come back into the office, I just couldn't. So I decided, you know, to make a decision for my health, for me, but I was still so scared. I was worried that it'd be ruining my career at 26. I was worrying that, you know, I I wouldn't be able to afford anything, that I would fail, that I'd, you know, then never get a job again. Um, You know, just all the, I guess, overwhelming thoughts that try and stop you from making any kind of change, really, the the fear. But um, I just kept feeling this tug that it's what I needed to do. So I followed it. I was reading in one of your blogs, you said, my beloved communications job. Did you like your job? That That's, that's sort of a, a point I'm, I'm trying to discuss with people. It's it's not that we hate our old jobs, it's that we want to do this. No, I loved it. And I, I was working in forensic mental health and I thought that was just the most interesting area ever, really. And, um, you know, living with mental illness myself as well, I particularly, particularly loved working with people who had lived experience and used that to help others. So I really did enjoy that role, but I just felt like I needed to try something different and to grow. And can you tell me about what's, what's your copywriting business all about? You, you work with, with uh, clients that you really want to work with to improve their communications? Um, yeah, I work with a lot of small businesses, a lot of um, big, big, uh, sorry, a lot of big businesses and um, some quite large organizations. And basically I help them with whatever their word related needs are. So that might be helping a small business write their web pages um, with SEO optimization. It might be helping someone write a blog. It might be writing um, award applications, speeches, um, brochures, product descriptions, literally anything with words. Um, I've even done a couple of annual reports recently and I do a lot of editing as well. And um, I just love the variety. Um, I love words. So the fact that I can do so many things with words is very cool, Um, especially when I get to help businesses find the right words for them because it's it's really hard to write. (laughs) So I like being able to help them share their stories and really connect with customers and reach whatever their goals might be. I really agree. It's a very underestimated superpower, having the right words. Uh, when did you when did you find that you had an affinity for writing and that this was something you could do as a career, as, as something to express yourself with? I mean, I actually remember being really into writing even from kindergarten. I'd penned these wacky creative stories that my teachers and schoolmates would love and when I got older, I just realized I loved it even more and um, especially high school English and I started getting, you know, quite good marks. Then I went to university and studied a Bachelor of Journalism and, you know, found, hey, I am quite good even amongst people that are, you know, good. So that made me feel really um, inspired to keep trying, keep improving my craft and um, I just I just love the power of words and you know, the magic they can create and, like, the rhythm um, – you can create with words, you can create music with words, um, I feel, with just, you know, varying sentences and um, sentence lengths, syntax and meaning. I, I love it so much. It's now, definitely part of me. When you were in, in your, your formal role, would you – what were the frustrations that you had with it maybe just on a personal level, not, not in what you were doing, you, you loved what you were doing, but you wanted more? Um, can you describe that that sort of being, be, you know, that that sort of difficult space to be in, where you love what you're doing, but you want to do something else? How did you feel at the time that you could you could surmount that? I mean, 
I, I guess I just wanted to try something new. I mean, I got to try new things in my job, but I wanted to work with a range of people in a range of industries and I, I just felt like there was something else calling me. Um, also being able to write my book too, that was a, a big thing. I wanted to give that a go. Um, it was actually my dream to be an author when I was younger, but I went into journalism because I thought it would be a lot easier to get a job. Um, it is still very hard to get a job, but um, easier than trying to be an author at 16. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, can you tell us a bit about your book? Um, you know, that, that's, is that something that you work on in your spare time or you carve some time out specifically during your working day to do that? A little bit of both. I mean, it kind of depends on... Um, my workload. Sometimes I have too much client work and I can't even think about working on my book. Um, and with chronic fatigue, I only have a certain amount of energy. So, um, but I do make a point to carve out time. And, um, so my book is, um, about my town survival in the 2019, 2020 black summer bushfires. Um, I returned to my hometown of Batemans Bay only to be caught in the fires. So that was absolutely terrifying. And I remembered after I was writing, articles about my experiences and people in my community and I just kept thinking a thousand words just is not enough to convey the depth and the terror and oddly enough the joy like there are a lot of beautiful moments to a community coming together and I just saw all these stories that just would never be captured and I wanted to capture those stories so it's um I've interviewed firefighters I've interviewed um people that have lost their homes people that um, managed to save their homes, um, all mixed with my story of being at the evacuation centre and um, reporting as a freelance journalist, not realising I would have to be a journalist that day, but I just remember thinking there was no power, there was no barely any reception, no one knew what was happening, the Fires Near Me app that was supposed to keep us updated wasn't. So I uh, tried to post any information that I had and what I saw and where I was safe and actually, you know, spoke to a lot of people and was able to help them so I, I wanted to capture all that in a book and um, I'm about half finished I'm currently pitching to literary agents and soon publishers so fingers crossed someone loves it as much as I do definitely and just to bring a few threads together I mean having the time to write but also and the energy to to spend on writing is vitally important I mean living with chronic fatigue has, has that allowed you to recognize that we only have a finite amount of energy. It, it's a, a furphy that we can just work 10, 20 hours a day kind of thing. And then all of a sudden you, you realise, no, I need to focus on the things that I want to do with the energy that I have. Yeah, I mean, before I left my job, I was working 16, 17-hour days. So I'd wow. wake up at yeah. like 5 or 6 a.m. and do some of my client work and maybe my book work. I'd work 9 till 5, 5.30-ish in my job and then I'd work until like eight or nine some nights and um while I you know I loved a lot of the things I was doing I knew that that isn't sustainable um it burnt me out even more and the fact that I was able to do that with chronic fatigue at all I think is a bit <laughs> mind-blowing um but I guess I knew I just needed to drop something and I didn't want it to be my book and I didn't want it to be my business so the only thing I could drop was my job <laughs> That's a good thing to drop because you have something worthwhile doing. It's, um, it's something that's really calling to you that needs to be done. I mean, um, is writing the book helping you to, to deal with, us, with the experience of having gone through those bushfires? Absolutely. I mean, it's hard, 
um, you know, interviewing people that have gone through similar things and much, much, much worse. I think I got a lot of survivor guilt. I still do have a lot of survivor guilt, um, but it helps me to know that speaking, having someone speak to me about some of their deepest, darkest trauma really helped them. I'd have someone that listened and that cared and um, the people I've interviewed have said, uh, I mean, because I, I want to get this published so bad, the people I've interviewed have told them, I, I really hope I can get it published. I just don't want to let you down. And they're like, you haven't let us down. You've already done so much just by listening. And that means a lot. So it it did help to know that. And for my own story, um, I think so too. And also because I think hearing other people's stories of like, you know, actually fighting the fires and watching their homes burn, my own story seemed so lesser in comparison. But having written that and having people read that, they're like, oh, wow, holy cow, that is intense. I'm like, oh, yeah, I suppose it is. <laughs> Just doesn't seem in comparison. So I guess it's helps me recognize that it may not have been as bad for me, but it's still okay to have trauma from it especially the cumulative trauma of telling everyone stories and having all that in my head too. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's having to constantly revisit it mm-hmm. in order to create it. Yeah. But it, but do you think as well, um, if it's in you, this, this urge to write, you, you have to honour it. Mm-hmm. And it and it will eventually, no matter how many jobs or or you know, blocks or bits of procrastination you put on top of it, it will eventually just bubble its way to the surface because that's you. It's an intrinsic part of who you are. Uh, was there a moment where you, I suppose, you just couldn't deny that you were a writer anymore? Um, well, fresh out of uni, one of my first jobs was actually working in social media for the Daily Mail, and I loved that. I learned so much, but I just kept feeling like, you know, writing social media cells just doesn't – it just didn't cut it. I, just, I wanted – to work with words more. Um, so while that was an awesome skill, I just, I am mean, feeling so frustrated that I just wanted to write more and, um, you know, eventually I left that job as well and jumped in. And so um, I was able to write more in my communications job, which I loved so much. They had have such brilliant stories, but um, I just wanted to expand and try other things and, you know, have the space to work on my book. I think I've, it's really resonating with me because like I I left job I left a job in journalism to to write too but I explain that to people and they think what you left a safe job it had super it had sickly all these things and they they just look at you like what and you left it to to pursue a hunch to pursue a passion uh, have you had that sort of response from uh, I suppose people who don't have a similar frame of mind I mean, not really, because I didn't just jump out to write a book. No, I also sure, was yeah. running a business. So a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, try that for 12 months. And if you're not making the same, then go back to a job. But I haven't finished my book yet. So um, so people have been actually quite supportive and, um, I guess, believing in me, which feels really nice because I do sometimes question that and be like, oh, gosh, I had, I had super, I had sick leave, I had annual leave and regular income without having to – search for it or, um, you know, do admin for it. So I do question myself a lot, but I have to hope, you know, other people can do it. Why can't I? That's right. I mean, I'm, I think you're showing a lot of gumption. It's, it's not necessarily, I spoke to someone the other week who was, who sort of said, look, it's not about, it's not about being brave. It's about being stubborn. 
you know, um, and there's a certain bravery that comes from being stubborn, uh, to, to, to just keep going on the path that we go on. Um, what, what, how would you respond to, to that? <laughs> I think stubbornness does play into it. <laughs> like, no, I will do this. Damn you. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think there's a level of, bravery in you feeling that fear and doing it anyway but i i definitely have stubbornness be like no i want to i want to do this this is happening um one way or another this book will get into the world absolutely can you tell me a little bit about um you did a course a, a, a copywriting you joined a copywriting group that helped you really grow um, could you tell us tell me a little bit about that and how that how that actually helped you to make even more of a leap into your career here Sure. Well, I'd been doing copywriting for a little bit, but I didn't entirely realize it was called copywriting um, or that I could make that into a business. Um, I did the um, Kate Toon's recipe for SEO success course and um, I was like, whoa, she's running her own business. She's a copywriter. That's so cool. So I decided to join her um, group, the Clever Copywriting School, and um there were just all these people in similar boats to me who maybe wanted to leap, maybe had already leapt, maybe who were absolutely killing it in their fields. And it just made me think, wow, you know what? I do have good skills that I can offer. I I learned how to present those in a professional way and, you know, how to deal with clients, what kind of things to say and to set up boundaries and actually charge your worth. I am very bad at charging my worth and offering discounts when they made me realize that, hey, no, no, my time is valuable. Um, I think especially because I jumped into that as my um, chronic illnesses and chronic pain was getting worse. So I was like, yeah, my energy, my energy is valuable. <laughs> if I'm going to give it away to someone, I can't give it for free. Um, so they helped me see that that wasn't a bad thing and that I really could do it. Um, I do love that group so much. I actually won member of the year last year, which I was so shocked at. <laughs> um, I was going to say, and a Stevie as well. you got a Stevie for women in business. Yes, my first award application I've ever submitted for myself, and I won. Fabulous. Yes, fabulous. Um, <laughs> I think it was uh, Silva in the Young Female Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Um, so that was like a mix of my copywriting, my journalism, and I guess the advocacy I try to do through both. Um, so that was really cool, really nice, reading all the judges who thought I was really cool and um, – that I was going to do great things and it just made me feel like, hey, yeah, I am doing good things and I will continue to do good things. I can do this. What to you is the importance of joining that group, having that level of business organisation that underpins all of the creative activity? I mean, a, a common thread we find is that people think our creatives are, you know, we're will o' the wisp, that we just have this, <laughs> this airy-fairy kind of notion about work, but actually success is underpinned by very strict organization do you, do you find that that that's a bedrock for you i do need to get better at organization <laughs> to be honest <laughs> I know, i'm picking myself up here i'm so organized <laughs> um i'm aspiring I mean, to it <laughs> i i do have a lot of organization like i have a billion whiteboards and lists with my upcoming projects things i need to do little tasks um like admin things i want to do and ideas so i'm organized in that aspect and um you know having professional uh, templates and stuff set up that make things a lot easier and streamline the process and having scripts so I don't have to think as much about what I'm actually doing. I mean, obviously you tailor it to each thing, but um, a lot of it is the same, so it saves energy. So having that organisation and having prepared even a little bit to save time in the future 
does really help. Um, I mean, I can't always just sit down and work nine till five. I'm going to do my stuff. Um, it's a lot based on how my body's feeling, um, how my pain levels are, how my chronic fatigue is. Um, cause sometimes it's so bad. I literally can't think. So on those days I just have to rest, but, um, when I can, and when I have something due, I do just, uh, smash it out and do what I can. I was going to ask as well, with, with copywriting itself, is there a, a philosophy of writing that you, you try to follow and that you need to do what the client wants, but also you have a certain set of skills and a certain way of writing? Um, can you describe what is your way of writing? How do you like to tackle putting what you mentioned the musicality of words earlier? I quite like that. Like you want, you want things to flow. Yeah, I mean, I think for me it's looking at what you're trying to communicate and what emotion that taps into. Like, for example, if you're a small business selling something, what is it you're trying to convey? What solution are you trying to provide? Um, what do you want your customers to feel? And I think that emotional connection um, mixed with storytelling and, you know, telling a story, not just like I sell pianos, but actually, you know, having a story about behind why and why it matters and why you like to help. I love to include those things. I guess probably making it more of a journalist type copywriting, but um, I think it is really powerful and it really connects with people. Um, I particularly do like um, mixing longer and shorter sentences together and um, I guess being more conversational. Um, I do see a lot of people just, you know, writing the same length of sentences. Like you can't write a sentence over 20 words, which I agree with to a point but sometimes you can have longer sentences with the right punctuation that are just beautiful and flow and i just love capturing that rhythm and magic in words have you ever written something for a client and they've gone we love it no like we want it to be more boring or like that you've written it too well yeah i guess clinicians tend to not really want flowy language it's more uh, I guess, academic with longer sentences. And so sometimes that is a bit of a, you know, bargaining being like, hey, I know you want to convey this, but if this is aimed towards the general public, it needs to be easily accessible. It needs to be um, easy to understand. Um, so usually there's a leap, there's like a middle ground. Um, but sometimes I do just, you know, okay, this is your work. I want you to be happy with it. And if this is what you actually want, I'm happy to oblige. I've said my piece and if you still disagree, that's totally fine because I'm working for you. <laughs> and how would, how do you go about attracting the sort of clients you want to work with? Um, like I, I quite like the tone of your website. It's like, this is me. This is, you know, you can't say that I didn't, you know, I didn't tell you who I was and what my style was. You know, it's not like a, you're not generic is what I'm trying to say. It's, you know, this is, this is me. This is how I do this. Is that sort of a, a way of attracting people you want to work with? I think so. Um, like I sometimes get people saying, oh, my gosh, I love your website. I just love yeah. the personality and same with my socials and so on. Um, and that's like awesome. We're probably going to absolutely hit it off. You're probably going to love what I do. Um, whereas if you read my website and think, oof, no thanks, then probably probably not the right copywriter for you. And that's totally fine. Everyone has different styles. Mine is a bit um, – I guess I do do a lot of professional stuff, but I like to do it in a – easy to understand way in a, a gentle and emotive and friendly way um i quite like conversational language so if there's anything super super academic it's probably not my ideal but um 
yeah, I can, I can do it. <laughs> yeah. I also quite like in your blog, you open up to speaking to other people who have their own chronic illnesses that you, you work hard to give people a voice and to, to be able to express what they're feeling and what they're going through. Can you, can you tell me a bit, why do you do that? Why is that, you know, on a personal level, that's definitely important, but mixing that in with your work. I just think a lot of the time if your story doesn't align with, you know, the typical norm, uh, you don't hear about it. It's not represented. And when you start experiencing those things, you can feel really lonely and you can feel like you're the only one going through those things. But it's, it, that's usually not the case. And with chronic illness, there are so many people in the same boat and, um, you know, so many disabled people end up running their own businesses because of, you know, inaccessibility in the workplace, because of um, rigid, outdated ideas of what a workplace should be and people wanting to follow their dreams. So I think it's really important to show that you can still have these things but still thrive, that you may just have to do them a little bit differently Um so sharing people's voices is so important for me because I know what it's like to not feel hurt and to not feel seen. And I think we all have a role to play in that. Do you think the pandemic has changed people's perceptions, not just about that work can be working from home, but it can be, it can be a more inclusive place. It can be a more tolerant place. It can be a uh, where we don't have to pretend that we're all fine and, and, you know, no, you know, if you've got a bad flu, it's like, no, I'm not sick. It's like, no, go home. Like there's a, there's a, not gentler, but it, it just seems to me that um, people are opening up what they think work is possible for. I mean, I think to an extent, like for example, um, the pandemic obviously shown for jobs that can be worked remotely, they can be done from home very effectively, which is something that all disabled people have been calling for for years. And um, I guess now that people are heading back into the office, um, you know, a lot of people are losing those flexibilities. So I think it's important to remember things can be done differently and they should be done differently. It doesn't work for everyone and accessibility benefits everyone, just like compassion benefits everyone, even if you don't live with a mental illness or, you know, chronic pain or any other kind of disability or condition. Kindness and understanding is always nice because everyone gets sick, everyone has bad days and... You know, we need to be understanding and flexible about how we work in the workplace. I actually just wrote an article about this, so I'm pretty um, pretty fired up about it. <laughs> that's good. That's good. And, and um, what would you say to somebody who is was in a similar is in a similar position to you right now that you were in before? They're in a job that they they like, they love even, but they want to do something else. They've got an itch that just needs to be scratched. What, what would you advise them to, to do from being in that position yourself, having been in that position yourself? I mean, I would absolutely encourage you to give it a try. You will never know if you don't try and would you rather have tried and failed or never tried at all. I personally would rather try and know that, hey, okay, that didn't work and that's okay and rather than be wondering what if. Um, so I think you can still prepare. You don't just have to jump out into the unknown with no plans. Um, I prepared for a long time. I built my business on the side. I thought of all the things that I might need and that might make it easier for me when I do take the leap. So um, I focused on building my social media. I focused on um, my systems and processes, on templates, on building a bit of a client base, getting testimonials from clients, showing that I can do this um, and, you know, 
setting up a website and all those kinds of things that help when you do make the leap. So you're kind of just ready to hit the ground running basically. And um, the point that I knew that it was time to go was when I just couldn't keep up with the demand. So I was like, okay, you know what? I probably should just just give it a go, even though it scared me. <laughs> I quite like that. It's it's defining what your busy is. I mean, my wife Carmen and I, we've got we've got two kids, we work from home and and I often think, you know, I've done in four hours what I would do over an eight-hour workday. <laughs> it's just I wasn't, you know, scratching my butt and procrastinating and having a gossip to people. I had the, my time, but I did my work within that time. So mm. I quite like that. And, and then that allows me to do all the other stuff that I want to do. It's I will never go back to the other way of, <laughs> the other way of working. Uh, do you feel in, in a similar way? I mean, even when I had my job, I found working from home helped me focus a lot more and look after myself. So I was able to get things done faster. Um, and now I definitely don't work the typical nine to five, um, but I find I get things done quicker. I think possibly because I do give myself that space to rest. Um, so when you do work, it's like, yeah, we're working. We got this. <laughs> uh, I think as well, there's a risk. There's a risk to doing things, but there's also a risk to not doing things. And we often don't think of the risk in not taking the leap. Uh, you know, we can talk ourselves out of it, but then I think I talked myself out of it for years. But then when I finally did it, I was like, oh, it's actually not that scary. I can do this. Let's keep going. Yeah. Uh, and, and the risk was that I, I wasted two years in a job that I didn't particularly like. Yeah, I think a lot of people are just – afraid and afraid of change and that's fair enough it is so scary but um if it's something you want to do you have to kind of face that fear and do it anyway because if you're feeling like you're you know you really want to try something and it's almost suffocating to not be trying that that's probably a pretty clear sign that you need to change something <laughs> when you're writing your book um how how does that make you feel? Is it to have that time to do that, to follow your passion, but also to follow a project that you feel is, you know, it's so necessary to do? You know, when you get in the flow of doing that project, how does it make you feel? Um, I guess when I'm actually doing it, it's kind of frustrating. Um, but when I sit down and I read something I've, you know, edited and done well, I'm like, holy, holy crap, I am I'm not bad at this. <laughs> it's a really nice feeling to know that you don't just have the passion that you actually are producing something that is hopefully going to make an impact and make people feel things. That's great, Zoe. I've really enjoyed our chat today. That's, that's for time. But thank you very much for sharing your story, your expertise and, and your vision with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to chat. I learned a lot from Zoe Simmons, particularly how she tapped into a business network to grow her work. I also like how she's infusing everything she does with a beautiful sense of mission to help other people, whether that's through copywriting, coaching, or writing her book. I think we can forget sometimes how valuable a helping hand is and instead focus just on the bottom line. I think Zoe's a good reminder that a rising tide lifts all boats. Thanks for listening to the Committed Creative Podcast. I hope you learned something new too. See you next week, and here's to going all in on your creative endeavours. Thank you for listening to the Committed Creative Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned at least one thing that will help you stay on the creative path. If you liked it, please subscribe as there's plenty more to come. And we'd love it if you could leave us a review if you found the podcast worthwhile. 
And if you didn't, please send us your feedback. We're all ears. You can check us out online at redplatypuscreative.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at redplatypuscreative. Remember, you are not alone in your creativity and you can make money from your creative pursuits. See you next time when we speak to another creative mind that's committed to making their way work. Here's to going all in and becoming a committed creative.